You're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, your source for all the Baltimore Ravens news and information. Now ice up, hon. Good evening, folks, and welcome into the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. We are live. It is November 5th. And I'm here with, as always, Matthew Stevens. Matt, how's your day going? It's going pretty good, man. Don't forget to uh, remember the 5th of November. Or something like that, at least, right? Yeah, yeah. It's remember, remember the 5th of November. I embarrassingly only know that part. I don't know why we do that part. It's probably like American history something, isn't it? Uh, No, I believe it's English history, and it uh, has to do with uh, blowing up Parliament to reset uh, and establish uh, some new people in there. I, I don't know the specifics of it. I'm not English, so, you know. But uh, it's it's more commonly known because of V for Vendetta. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. At least I'm not as stupid. I didn't see V for Vendetta. That's good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, folks. We did just finish the first half of the NFL season. Baltimore Ravens finished up the first eight games with a 2-6 and six record. In fact, we do have eight more games coming up to uh, finish off the season, uh, the regular season, and shockingly enough, it doesn't feel like the Ravens are going to be having a 17th game. Matt and I will be talking a bit, that, a bit about that in just a couple minutes. Something else we're going to be discussing is actually the cap hits for next season. Not this one right now, but next season. See what... Our thoughts are, and your thoughts as well, we'll be taking callers around that time, and uh, we're just going to discuss the uh, numbers on it. If you want to stick with us, we will be on spotrack.com. We'll be looking at the Baltimore Ravens cap for 2016. Once again, that's spotrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C.com. Go to the Baltimore Ravens one. Go to 2016 salary cap. Hang out with us on there. Call us up. Give us your thoughts on uh, some contracts, some cap hits and dead money. What do you think is going to happen? That's going to be our big focus on. But very first and foremost, Matt, like I just finished saying, Ravens are 2-6 and six after their first eight games. They got eight games left. Looking over that second half schedule, what are you really expecting? You know, uh, we got eight games, 2-6. and six. What What happens? I, I think we've got to separate this into two separate parts of the season, and, and I know that's easy to say and easy to do, uh, obviously with the bye week being right smack dab in the middle. Uh, the first half of the season was marred by injuries, marred by poor play, marred by uh, bad scheme to go along with all of it, um, as well as just playing good teams. I mean, the, the Cardinals, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Raiders, the Broncos, uh, who would have known that you know, the, the Raiders were going to be a good team this season. Who would have known that the Bengals would be undefeated as of right now? Uh, you know, th- those are all questions that I think going into the season, uh, none of us would have expected at all. But on the back half of the season, uh, the Ravens face off against teams like the Jaguars, uh, the Rams, the Dolphins, the Seahawks, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and then, of course, again, the, the Bengals uh, at the end of the season – the Chiefs aren't looking all that hot. The Seahawks aren't looking all that hot. The Dolphins aren't looking all that hot. The Rams are, I mean, we all expected them to be a good defense, but uh, I think a lot of people expect them to be better than they are right now. 
So the, the second half of the season, while it's not a cakewalk, uh, is certainly a lot better than the first half of the season. So, um, you know, as far as where, where we expect things to go, I mean, I say let's, let's, let's go game by game um, on this one. Absolutely. The next game that the Ravens play is Week 10 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, it is here in Baltimore in the M&T Bank Stadium. So, uh, you know, I think that one's an, a win. I mean, I, this is a team at 2-6. and six. You can't count any team or any game as a win. But I think when you're playing the Jaguars, I think you can, you can mark that one down as a win. I would agree. The Jaguars look good, but uh, they, they still are missing way too many key parts. And the coaching is still nothing special to the effect of they can out-coach us, but uh, their players can't really outplay us. That's not going to be an issue here. Uh, we have a we have much better head coach. We have a uh, better uh, roster, in my opinion. Anyways, they're building up. They are not finished with their rebuild yet, though. So it'll be different to uh, uh, to experience. I, I like to say that uh, we win this game, but just like you said, any given Sunday and every given Sunday for the Ravens, except for two of them, have been terrible, <laughs> terrible, brutal, heartbreaking losses. So I don't. I think I think we get up to uh, three and six after that game. I can agree with that one. Uh, the Rams, that's Sunday, November 22nd. That is also here in Baltimore uh, at M&T Bank Stadium. It's a one o'clock game. Uh, that one I'm going to mark down as a loss. Yes. And the reason why I'm going to mark it down as a loss is because this offensive line is still relatively shaky. They've improved, but they are still shaky as of right now, especially with Eugene Monroe out with that shoulder injury. Uh, you'd hope he'd be back, but then again, he's missed a good majority of the season so far with a concussion and now with a shoulder injury. Um, that, that defensive front for the Rams is scary. It's no joke. I... I have no confidence in their quarterback. I have no confidence in their wide receivers. I do have a lot of confidence in Todd Gurley, who seems to uh, <laughs> be the next Adrian Peterson off of everything I'm seeing on uh, on social media and Twitter and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, the Ravens will probably want to go into that matchup, all 11 people right up against the line of scrimmage, and, and dare the, the Rams to go ahead and beat them through the air. Yeah. Uh, and based on how things have gone so far, he'll probably have a J- Josh McCown – uh, type of game, putting up 500 yards. So I'm going to mark that one down as a loss. I just don't think they can battle up against that defense. Right. I have it up for, as a loss, but I have it for a slightly different reason. Uh, I agree with the defense. It's it's a, it's more of a subplot to your um, original idea. Uh, the Rams' defense is the number one in red zone uh, touchdowns allowed, and it's by a huge margin. An enormous margin. Now, a lot of people are saying it's because the Broncos' defense never allows people to get into the red zone, and that's actually not the case. It's just the Rams' red zone defense is stellar, and our red zone offense is sloppy. I, I think we've all seen that. Steve Smith, when he was playing, dropped three touchdowns in the red zone. Um, yeah. Crockett Gilmore's got beat twice. We've had two red zone uh, interceptions, game-winning interceptions against the Ravens. Uh, our red zone offense is Oh, looks like we lost Kyle there for a second. Um, I, I'm going to finish his statement, actually. it's uh, That red zone offense for the Baltimore Ravens has looked just terrible so far. 
uh, between bad scheme, and we've mentioned this in, in earlier podcasts, the jump balls to Steve Smith, uh, Steve Smith dropping them, uh, not being able to open up running lanes when you're down in, on the two, on the three. Um, and even for that matter, the, the Ravens have tried to use Joe Flacco uh, consistently over the season uh, when they're down on the one or two yard line to try to go ahead and get that little bit of push. And, and while it has been successful, it's something you can't count on uh, pretty regularly. But uh, it, was that what you were kind of going to say, Kyle? Yeah, it's it's just the red zone efficiency is terrible between the Steve Smith jump balls. Um, half our team is never healthy when we're in the red zone, it seems like. Crockett Gilmore's out. Uh, Steve Smith is now out. And uh, half our line, for some reason, collapses whenever we get past the 30-yard line. Um, I don't know what's going on with that. It's just we we uh, we played on an Indian burial ground for a practice, apparently, and uh, we screwed it all up. That's what it feels like, man. Um, but on top of that, the Rams, like, their offense isn't that stellar, but Todd Gurley sure as hell is, like you mentioned. And uh, we have a great run defense. We have C.J. Mosley, who snuffs the run. We have uh, – Tim Jernigan, who is a very good run defender, and we have Brandon Williams, the best nose tackle or defensive tackle at run stopping. So that's what I'm confident in. Being able to stop that run will make them one-dimensional, and hopefully we don't have to die by the pass like we get Josh McCowan again. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll agree with you on that one, Kyle. I think that one, that's a game that I think could be a toss-up. If the Ravens can get something going on offense at all, and can stop the run, I think th- that's an easy win. Yeah, but um, the problem is... If they fail on either one of those, it's a loss. Yeah, the problem is we don't have any receivers anymore. <laughs> well, you know, we, we could talk all day about that one, but, um, I, you know, the Ravens did step up in the end of that Chargers game with Steve Smith out, uh, and they were able to go ahead and, and put up points, enough points to actually win, which has been something that uh, they, they failed to do Pretty much every game before that point, um, when, when Joe Flacco had had the ball, he was precise. They were consistent. The wide receivers were able to get open. Uh, huge pass interference call, which, you know, shades of Tory on that one. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, you know, who knows? Who knows? We can end up finding our, our, our diamond in the rough here. Chris Gavins, Givens could end up being our next Tory Smith. That'd be great. Uh, on offense. But uh, after that, the Ravens face off against the Browns at the Browns, and that is an 8.30 p.m. Monday night game. Who the hell ever thought the Browns versus the Ravens was going to be a good game? Whatever. Um, I, you know, that's – the Ravens got beat just barely, but they did get beat uh, by the Browns previously, and, and that was – we just talked about it on the back of Josh McCown throwing just shy of 500 yards. Uh, we're going to have to watch that again. The, the Ravens, I think, pull that one out. And the reason why is because Josh McCown cannot do that twice. I don't care about the secondary. I don't care about this team anymore at, at that point. I don't think Josh McCown can have that level of consistency. If he could, he would be a starting quarterback in this league prior to being 36. Right. Uh, they also do have Johnny Manziel out this week, too. He's playing. That is true. Johnny Manziel is in there. But then again, you know, if, if he was a starting caliber quarterback, he would probably be starting over Josh McCown, too. So, you know, who knows, man? This is a team that might not even have their head coach come that week um, <laughs> or their GM or any other. Pl- who knows? They were shopping so many players at the trade deadline. Who knows what's going on with the Browns? 
Um, but I'm going to mark that one down as a win, just because I'm a weird optimist in that regard. Yeah, Monday night football against this team. I'm, I'm confident on the Ravens. So we have right now four and seven. Four and seven. The Ravens are coming back, baby. After that is a one o'clock game, Sunday, December 6th, at the Miami Dolphins. Some warm weather there in December, which will be a little weird for uh, Ravens players or even Ravens fans to see no snow on the ground in December. But, um, you know, I'm going to mark that one down as a win. I, I don't trust their offense at all, the Miami Dolphins. Their defense, I think, has been middling. I don't know really uh, much about the Dolphins at this point, but um, I know they have not been very good lately. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna mark that one down as a as a Ravens win. I go as a loss, and I say it just because I don't see the Ravens being consistently successful enough to uh, beat the Dolphins. And uh, Tannehill's a decent quarterback. He's and he, if he has good targets, he'll be able to make it, against, especially against a secondary man. It just takes one play per drive because we saw that every single game, every single drive against the Browns, second down, it would be second and 13 or second and eight, and they'd somehow get a 40-yard pass. And that's all it takes for the Dolphins to get one of them. And uh, Ryan Tannehill is a good enough quarterback to pick the Ravens apart, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm looking right now at the offensive comparison, and the Ravens and uh, Dolphins are pretty close in terms of total yards per game. Uh, and, and, of course, this is at week eight, so, you know, these things might end up switching up uh, as the weeks go on. But 357.2 yards per game for the Baltimore Ravens versus 352.3 yards per game for the Miami Dolphins. Um, so, you know, a difference of, what, a little under five yards per game. Right. Uh, that is not a huge difference. Uh, the, the big thing here is the Ravens uh, take them on the passing, uh, while the Dolphins take them uh, by about three yards uh, on the rush game. So uh, Lamar Miller and Jonas Gray are getting it done if you are the Miami Dolphins, at least a little bit more uh, than the, the Baltimore Ravens have been. Uh, I believe Lamar Miller has a 5.5 yard per carry average. Mm-hmm. Uh Versus Justin Forsett, while he has more yards, only has a 4.2 yard per carry average. Uh, so, you know, like I said, who, who knows? This this Ravens team is going to change pretty dramatically. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Miami Dolphins aren't all that great themselves. So Wonderful. But I, I, have a, I still have the Dolphins as a win uh, for them. Excuse me. Okay, so you have a Baltimore Ravens loss. Yes, I, have, I, I got the Ravens at 4-8. and eight. You have them at 5-7. and seven. Okay. Uh, after that, we have a Sunday night game against the Seahawks here in Baltimore at M&T Bank Stadium. That's an 8.30 p.m. game, Sunday, December 13th. Uh, so we get a chance to return back to some of that cold weather that the Ravens love so much. Um, and again, the Seahawks are a team that just... I think if you have to pick a disappointing team, um, you're looking at the Ravens, you're looking at the Seahawks, so... It's just a matter of which team can shoot themselves in the foot more, I guess. Okay, uh, I'm going to clear this up real quick. Do you think Joe Flacco has any chance against Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright at all with Kamara Aiken? Do I think he has a chance? Chris Givens. Absolutely. Kamara Aiken. Jeremy Ross. I absolutely think that he does. No way. No way. And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. 
This is a team that lost to St. Louis. This is a team that lost to Green Bay. Really good. It's a team, team that beat up on Chicago. Chicago is terrible. Yeah. So they, they beat up on Chicago. Fair enough. They barely squeaked a win against a Detroit Lions team that just fired everyone. Right. They're, they're not a good team. I mean, the Seahawks are not a good team. They're 4-4 four and four right now uh, as they're in their uh, ninth week as well. You know, they're not a good team. They're just not. Uh, I, I think they're, they've faced off against some easy teams. Uh, a Dallas team that doesn't have uh, Tony Romo or Des Bryant in it. Uh, a San Francisco team that sucks just after beating the crap out of us. Um, you know... Essentially tried to get rid of everyone. And that bench calling Kaepernick. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, this is a team that I think has had more of the balls bounce their way, but I don't think they're any better than the Baltimore Ravens are by any stretch of the imagination. And from a defensive standpoint, they are third in the league uh, points-wise at 17.5 points per game. Um, You know, in, in the rush game, they're letting up, a little under 100 yards. They're 10th in the league there. So they're certainly a really good defense. Um, but again, I, I, I don't know. I, I, to say that, the, that the Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens don't have a chance would be completely ignoring what Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens have done in the past in terms of lighting teams up for, like, no good reason. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I see your I point. I still mark it down as a loss. Yeah, I... <laughs> I'm not saying they win the game. I'm right. just saying that you know, they're not completely out. I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't put money on them winning, but I also wouldn't put money on them losing either. Okay. So what? At this point, uh, I am three, four, five. I'm what? Five and five and seven or five and eight? Five and nine. You're five and nine, really? Nope, I'm five and eight. You're right. Yep, I'm uh, I'm four and ten. I got us at four and ten. After that, it is. I'm not even gonna bother keeping score anymore because screw this. Uh, after Chief that, lost. the Ravens, <laughs> the Ravens faced off against, and of course, my browsers decide it's gonna crap out on me. Play the Kansas City Chiefs. On Sunday, December 20th at 11 a.m., that's actually um, at home. So, I see the Ravens winning this. They have a Jamal Charles team, and uh, they've pretty much folded in half since then. Yeah, I mean, the the Chiefs have not been um, terrible, I don't think, since then. I mean, they're 3-5, they're and five, so uh, they, they certainly have been good. Right. But um, uh, they, they beat up... They beat up a uh, Detroit Lions team last week. Yeah, uh, forty-five to ten. Now this was uh, it was a home game, and I use finger quotes here. It was actually in in London. Yeah. Uh, the week prior to that, in week seven, they beat up a Pittsburgh Steelers team. Now again, that's a Pittsburgh Steelers team without Ben Roethlisberger. I believe what they were starting at that point, uh, uh, Landry Jones. Yep. Um, and they beat them up 23-13. to 13. So this is not a team that has given up since Jamal Charles yeah. uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And actually, uh, I'm going to butcher his first name, but Sharkandrick West, 
God, that sounds like that skit. Um, has a 4.6 yard per carry average. Holy. So he's not doing bad. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's not Jamal Charles's 5.1 yard per carry uh, by any stretch of the imagination, and uh, I don't see him really even on the receiving side of things so much. So the the Chiefs have lost a lot in not having Jamal Charles there, but uh, I think a lot of people assume that they've lost a lot more than they did defensively. And I'm looking this up right now. They're, they're middling. Yeah. They, they still have Justin Houston, but, but all in all, they're a middling defense. I mean, they're 15th in points allowed uh, 16th in yards, 21st in passing yards and 12th in rushing yards. So uh, the Ravens being a top 10 offense right now, I think they could go ahead and take advantage of some matchups there, but, um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I'm going to mark that down as a win. I got, I got the Ravens win that one, too. That sounds good. I made a serious case for why the Chiefs aren't going to be that bad, but uh, I did still mark it down as a win for the Ravens. You did that with the Seahawks, too. You're like, the Seahawks are really good, and like, but they're not that good. They suck, actually. But we're going to lose <laughs> to them. <laughs> Look, Kyle, right now this is a team that's 2-6. and six. I don't care how bad any team is. They can always lose every week. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, December 27th, against the Steelers. This is at home. And it's a Sunday night game at 8.30 p.m. Uh, so the Ravens beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Uh, Michael Vick. It was, yeah, it was a Michael Vick-led team. It was on a short week for the Steelers, especially. In overtime. Uh, in Josh overtime. So missing two field goals <laughs> and still needing to go to overtime. It was it was not a game really that the Ravens should have won uh, based on their performance. But I, I will say this: the Ravens over the last few weeks have played better. Um, I would agree. Even though the score does not indicate it against the the Cardinals, the the Forty Niners, really even the Chargers for that matter, this is a team that's played with a lot more heart. They've let up a lot less plays. It's been the big plays that have hurt them. Uh, I, I I'm assuming, and you know what they say about assuming. Um, that this is a team, the Baltimore Ravens team, that will kind of start to figure things out as the season goes on. Sharice Wright will get a little bit more comfortable. Jimmy Smith will find his groove again. And uh, Lardarius Webb will kind of find a nice home at that nickel uh, slot corner spot for, for the defense. Kendrick Lewis has finally stepped up and started doing a little bit better. C.J. Mosley has been doing a little bit better. The defensive line has done pretty solid. I, I, I think by that point, I want to mark the Steelers' win as a win. I'm going to regret saying that now, but uh, I'm going to say the Steelers at Baltimore, that one's a Baltimore Ravens win. I have no idea. <laughs> this is this is Ben Roethlisberger with Antonio Brown. Um, I, yeah. I'm i worried for the Ravens. I, I got a Steelers win, unfortunately, just because um, Ben Roethlisberger can uh, slice up the defense much, much better than Michael Vick even prayed he could do. Yeah. If Ben Roethlisberger's still with him, I got the Steelers winning it. Well, and and oh, here's one thing I did forget, and this might sway your opinion, Kyle. This is a Steelers team that's not going to have Le'Veon Bell for the rest of the season. Right. I do remember that. I still... Now... D'Angelo Williams has been a stud. D'Angelo Williams has been a stud, but he hasn't been a stud in the passing game, which is the only reason why, really, the Steelers were in that game uh, in week four against the Ravens in Pittsburgh. It's because 
Le'Veon Bell, he went for well over 100 yards in the running game, and I don't remember exactly how many yards he had in the passing game. Let me uh, let me bring this up real quick. Yeah, but, uh, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you that. This was a... I know what um, video you pulled up. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell had 129 yards on the ground, a 5.9 uh, yard per carry average. And then in the receiving game, he put up uh, seven receptions for 21 yards, so not as well as I thought he did. But uh, considering that Antonio Brown only had tw- 42 yards on the on the uh, on the night, Darius Hayward Bay had 31. He still comes in third overall on that uh, on that team for that game. Yeah, uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> doesn't only get Antonio Brown 42 yards. That's true. I, I will completely give you that one. But even then, I mean, the Ravens did a pretty solid job of stopping. Antonio Brown and kind of boxing him in uh, pretty well. They let Darius Hayward Bay kind of walk all over him there for a little bit, but um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I still think without Le'Veon Bell, this makes it a one-dimensional team. You can put, you know, so many people in, into coverage at that point. You can double up on Antonio Brown uh, and and still try to get after. Um, yeah. You know, Ben Roethlisberger try to shake him up a little bit. Right. And the Ravens have done that fairly well. I mean, against the Chargers, they applied pressure well. Against the Cardinals, they applied pressure well. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. By that point, who knows? This is a Steelers team. It's almost two months down the road, so we have no idea. And, and, and this is probably also a Steelers team by that point that's fighting for a playoff spot versus a Ravens team that's nowhere close to being in it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, who knows? The, the Ravens could just want to play spoilers, or they could have given up by that point. God, that'd so, be great if we kicked them out of the playoffs with this win. Yeah, yeah, it would. I would give you that. And then to finish up the season, the Baltimore Ravens play Sunday, January the 3rd, against the Bengals in Cincinnati, and that's a 1 p.m. game. Uh, it was expected at the beginning of the season to be a really good end of the season for both teams. Right now, the Bengals play tonight against the Browns, and they are undefeated. Uh, and the Ravens are two and six right now, so I, I see that as being a Bengals win by a long margin. What? <laughs> the the only way it's not is if the Bengals are sitting their starters because they want uh, they, they want the uh, playoff spot, uh, or they want to be fresh for the playoffs. Excuse me. That'd be great. I would be okay with that. And, and even then, it's going to be a tight game that will probably go to overtime. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck my life, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bengals win. Bengals win easy. So Yeah, so, I mean, if we go by your record, you're talking about 3-6, uh, 3-7, and 4-7, and 4-8, and 4-9. You said the Chiefs were going to win, right? No, we were going to win that game. Okay, so that's six and nine. Uh, you said the Steelers are going to win. Yeah. That is six and ten, and the Bengals are going to win. That is six and eleven. This is a team that is six and eleven, by far the worst record under 11. John. Five and eleven. You can't have six and eleven. That's seventeen. You're right. You're completely right. Five and eleven. I butchered that up. Sorry okay. about that. No problem. No problem. But yeah, five and eleven. That's that's a terrible record. That's by awesome. Far the- that's awesome draft pick area. You and I were talking about that beforehand, Kyle, and uh, for those that are listening, all five of you, um, <laughs> you know, Look. it's Thursday night football. I get it. It's, you know, um, 
it, you know, we we've kind of we're talking about how we hope this team just sucks for the rest of the season. I want to lose out. Top five draft pick. I want to lose out. Yeah. I want to lose I, out you know, unless one of our games against an AFC North opponent kick them out of a playoff spot. Which, and by this point, I mean, the only way that that would happen, the only team that that could happen against would be the Steelers. Yeah. I mean, if the Bengals win three more games they're in. Yeah. Um, you know, even for that matter, with the Steelers being as dinged up as they are, you know, they're going to have to win a few more games, obviously, but the Steelers probably aren't going to go ahead and win the AFC North. No. So it's coming down to the Steelers are going to be your, your AFC uh, North representatives as a wild card unless the, the Ravens can kick them out. I would be totally... Okay, if we went three and thirteen, two wins against the Steelers. Yeah, it's um, I'm. I I don't like harping that much on the Steelers. I don't think there's a reason to hate the Steelers that much. And again, I know Ravens fans are gonna try to beat the Get shit the out of me. Fuck out of here! <laughs> but you know, look, they're they're blowhards, all of them. Every single fan of the the Steelers, they're all blowhards. They're all assholes. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with that. What I am saying, though, is that I, the fact that the Ravens and Ravens fans put that much stock into beating the Steelers is ridiculous. I, there was a, a question asked at the beginning of the season: Would you rather be two and fourteen, those two wins coming against the Steelers, or would you rather be fourteen and two? And a surprising number of people answered two and fourteen. The fuck is wrong with you That's people? That's stupid. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe they were all joking, but I, you know, having talked to Ravens fans now for a while, no, they weren't. They were being completely serious. Yeah, no, I would, I would lose to the Steelers both times if it meant we were fucking fourteen and two. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, as long you know, as we don't get a uh, Jacksonville Jaguar and uh, lose to uh, the Tennessee Titans three times, they're the only team they lost to that year. They uh, went to the Super Bowl. Did you know that? The Jaguars were thir- uh, twelve, no, fourteen and two in the regular season. Both of the losses against the Titans. They met each other in the playoffs, and the fucking Titans won on the uh, on the Music City Miracle. Oh yeah, yeah. So they that's the only team they lost to all season. They lost to them three times. Got kicked out of the playoffs because of it. So I really hope if we did fourteen and two against the Steelers, uh, they wouldn't beat us one more time in the playoffs. That would suck. Yeah, I, you know what? I we've kind of had the Ravens or the Ravens have had the Steelers number uh, in the playoffs now for the last little while, so I, I wouldn't feel all that bad about facing up against them for the third time. Right? Uh, they had beaten us twice at that point. I'd feel pretty good about it. Yeah, but lo and behold, we are nowhere near that. <laughs> God damn it, this season, man. <laughs> Up next, we do have uh, what we originally talked about, the uh, bye week uh, discussion. We're going to talk about next year's cap hits for next season and your thoughts, our thoughts. Uh, We'll be taking callers during this time, so if you do have your phone out and ready, feel free to call us during this part of the segment. Matt, do you have that phone number? I do. It is 410-635-0869. Again, that is 410-635-0869. Six nine, uh, and I actually just put it up on Twitter. Uh, if anyone wants to call in, talk about how they think the the last eight games of the season will go. Let us you know know what your record uh, is if if you're playing at home, uh, or if you want to. We again we will be talking about 
uh, the the salary cap and how things will kind of end up going, at least what we think will end up happening at the end of the season. Uh, you know, hit us up, hit us up, and, and let you know what you uh, or let us know what you think. And I'm actually putting it into the chat as well, as well as I have the Spotrack link for the Baltimore Ravens, so you can click on there and play at home with us. I'm on the Baltimore deck. I'm posting that up right now as well. So, how are all five of our listeners doing this evening? <laughs> <laughs> you guys doing okay? Having a good day? Feel free to comment. <laughs> yeah. All right, get back Maybe to the all show. All five of you can comment uh, individually. We'll, we'll have uh, five comments. We'll have seven because you posted twice. <laughs> that, well, that's true. That's You're a right, rough one, man. More importantly, though, we're going to start off with the quarterback situation in 2016. This one is full of, God damn it, it sucks. Um, Joe Flacco's contract is not pretty for us this year uh, in 2016. He does have a base salary of $18 million. His signing bonus comes in, $5.8 million. And he does have an option bonus of four and three-quarter million. Now, that cap hit then equals to $28.5 million. Yes, you heard that right. $28.5 million would be his cap hit. That's over 19% of the total cap, and that would be if the cap went up to $150 million. Matt and I have been talking about this and deciding whether or not to um, kind of just take that huge cap hit or actually make the extension like everybody was expecting at the start of the season. And uh, I think that's uh, what what I finally uh, made my decision on is taking the cap hit next season. If we're still playing this bad at the end of the year, um, I want to I want to just run with that, take that huge cap hit, you know, get that over with, and then uh, in 2017 have loads of money to play with because that's what Ozzie Newsom never has. You always see this team with great. Um, great times come to the playoffs, but during free agency season, nothing really is exciting for the Ravens. It always is bad, and, uh, and we never get to go out and purchase any huge players. When was the last time you saw a huge uh, free agent signing? Last one that really, if you want to count it, was Steve Smith, but even then that wasn't really quite the biggest deal, in, in my opinion at least, Matt. Matt, what do you think? I, I, you and I again talked about this beforehand, and uh, I, you and I both kind of came to the conclusion that yeah, eat, eat the cap hit next season, eat it, eat it in 2016, so that way you have more leverage. And, and the main reason on that, uh, let me go ahead and actually bring up Joe Flacco's full contract here is, like you mentioned, uh, the dead cap for the uh, deal is 25.85 million dollars in 2016. Uh, his cap hit is 28.55, so you're looking at uh, under $3 million if they were to cut him. They're never going to cut him. That's not what I'm talking about here, but he ha- basically he has all the leverage. He knows the Ravens aren't going to cut him, uh, and he knows there's certainly not enough of a cap hit uh, or a cap savings there to even pretend like you're going to cut him. You, you don't cut a franchise quarterback for $3 million. However, 2017, and this is where it gets real funny, his cap hit is over $31 million. 
Meanwhile, his dead cap is a little over 15. It's 15.3 million. You're looking at, you know, right around $16 million the Ravens could save by cutting him. Again, they're not going to cut him, but that puts the leverage back into the Baltimore Ravens' hands. Uh, you, You can sit there and tell Joe, look, let's rework the deal. That's the last of his signing bonus. His signing bonus uh, has been split up into five increments uh, or five uh, installments of $5.8 million uh, per season. So, you know, that's the last of his $5.8 million. So you can sit there and tell him, look, Joe, let's go ahead and rework your deal. We can give you another signing bonus. It's not going to be a massive one because they have to roll that $5.8 million into it. But they can go ahead and give him another signing bonus, which makes him happy. He gets that all up front. Uh, And then they can go ahead and lower his cap hit to ultimately below $10 million, which is where they want it for, you know, a season, maybe two seasons if they can work it out that way. But they also get $16 million to go ahead and play with. Uh, Or, excuse me, actually, at that point, probably about $20 million to play with um, after it's all said and done. So... You know, you, you can sit there and say, look, Joe, we can go ahead and sign your best, your, your favorite offensive weapons. Uh, you name a wide receiver, he's in here. Uh, you know, it, again, it, that's more leverage for the Baltimore Ravens to go ahead and do. Um, and by then, you're also talking about a lot of the guys who are aging, uh, your Terrell Suggs, your Daryl Smith. Um, those guys probably won't be on the team anymore. They're going to be retired for whatever reason, uh, whether it's due to injury or whether it's just because they, they want to retire and, and live a happy life. Or even in the case of uh, a guy like Lardarius Webb, he's probably not going to be on the team next season anyway because his cap hit's just too high and they can't rework his deal uh, anymore. So, you know, it, it allows you to start fresh, uh, sign a bunch of really good free agents. Hopefully you've had a j- good draft or two by that point. Um, and, and you've got some young guys to work with, your C.J. Mosley's, uh, your Crockett Gilmore, that those type of players. And you can build a solid defense and offense around Joe Flacco in the prime of his career. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I think they're, they're – what I think is going to happen versus what I would like to have happen are two very probably different things. I think they're going to rework his deal next year to try to get some more money. Yeah. Uh, they seem to be in a win-now mode almost. Um, yeah, with, with but, Smith you know, coming yeah. back, I think they're going to, like you just mentioned, just load up on uh, on – trying to get some cap space opened up and try and get another part to um, this terrible secondary and uh, work it to uh, try and make that push because Smith will be back for one year if he does come back. Yeah, and, and that's I think a lot of that is all dependent on if Steve Smith comes back because you know, we, we talked a little about his injury uh, last week, or excuse me, not last week because we didn't know about it last week, but um, you know, we've talked a little about it at BaltimoreBeatdown.com. This is an injury that typically takes 12 months to go ahead and heal, which means Steve Smith isn't coming back until mid-season next year if he decides to come back. Again, there's there's been no indication really either direction on that one, at least not one that I would trust. Um, you know, it's if that's the case, if Steve Smith does come back and, and Terrell Suggs is able to come back completely healthy, you add a cornerback um, and – you you now have a solid team again, barring injuries just like we've had this season. Right. And we mentioned at the beginning of this season, but um, you know, add, add a solid corner to this team, and and you have a solid defense again. All of a sudden, uh, if Steve Smith's back, you still have a top ten offense. You know, that's that's the recipe for 
a championship caliber team. Yep. But um, you know, uh, yeah. So so chances are, like like we're saying here, uh, I, I do think they probably try to restructure his deal next year at the end of the season and uh, give them a little bit more cap room and try to go ahead and work some things out. Maybe bring in a, a decent free safety or excuse me, a free agent corner. Maybe another safety and maybe a free uh, safety. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, yeah. So who, who the hell knows? But um, personally, looking at at the deal and, and the money now, I would say eat the cap hit in 2016, rework it in 2017, and you'd be much better off as a team. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, Matt and I both agree that's probably not going to happen. Now, the next position in line on this is going to be the running back situation. Currently, the Ravens do have three running backs on the roster, totaling to uh, quite a bit of money. In fact, we have over four, five million dollars almost wrapped up in running backs, which is not a lot when you think about uh, Marshawn Lynch is probably making that by himself and more. Jamal Charles makes that and more. Um, a lot of stud running backs do that, but Ravens don't really need a stud running back. In fact, they got theirs discounted at uh, Justin Forsett. He is getting $3 million on his base salary, $700,000 signing bonus. His dead cap, I believe, is uh, even smaller than that. Let's see where it's at. Bam. Right here. Justin Forsett. Yeah, he's getting $3.7 million cap hit. If we do cut him, it's $1.4 million. That saves the Ravens almost, yeah, it saves the Ravens over $2 million. Then you get Lorenzo Taliferro, who we're all looking forward to having back. He was looking great before he took care of that uh, foot injury, thanks to uh, that. That sucked. Then also Javorius Allen, who's looked better than Justin Forsett, in my opinion, so far this season. Meaning the Ravens could have two running backs totaling at $1 million instead of having three running backs at $4 million. Matt, I feel like it's a clear cut. You cut Justin Forsett unless he starts balling right now I, I don't think you cut him yet and uh you know looking at the money and, and if that's solely what we're looking at that yeah you totally cut him uh but in looking at what the ravens have in 2016 like you said they have justin Forsett, they have lorenzo taliaferro and they have javorius allen taliaferro is obviously on ir this season so you know he, he's he hasn't had a chance to really learn under a lot of things uh, Javorius Allen certainly hasn't had the time. One thing that Justin Forsett brings to this team that uh, is very much underrated uh, is his pass-blocking ability, his ability to stick in there and, and knock a 300-pound lineman on his ass, uh, which is Forsett? impressive for a guy that's his size. Huh? Justin Forsett? Yeah, Justin Forsett is, is very good at uh, pass-blocking as a running back. I would disagree. And I would disagree really big because uh, of PFF's ranking on his pass blocking is terrible from what I remember. Uh, this season it very well might be. Yes, this but, season uh, he, is, past... he is terrible at it. Let me let me pull it up, see if I'm actually calling you out or not, and then you can bash me when I'm wrong. Please do. I, I, I could be wrong this season. I mean, I, I have seen him miss a few times uh, this season, but I mean last season certainly he had it. Uh, and, and what you want is you want your young running backs, your, your Talia Farrow and Allen, mm-hmm. both to learn under Justin Forsett for just a year or two. Right. 
Uh, yeah, I got it pulled up here. Are you ready for this? Yeah, go for it. The worst pass blocker in the NFL as a halfback, halfback is none other than Justin Forsett at a negative 4.3 blocking. Right behind him is Chris Thompson in Washington. I don't even know him, but Danny Woodhead is a negative 3.5. Giovanni Bernard, negative 2.5. And then Adrian Peterson is at negative 2. Unfortunately, Justin Forsett isn't so good that um, he isn't uh, outperforming Adrian Peterson on the ground. Uh, apparently his running is better by point one, but yeah, he's the worst pass blocker for the Baltimore Ravens as a halfback. Uh, See, and, and worst this, halfback in the league. I, I like PFF, uh, and and this is talked about a lot. Right, it's not the be all uh, end all. I understand exactly. I, I like PFF, but yeah, th- their ratings can sometimes be a little bit wacky. And you mentioned that uh, Justin Forsett was a better runner than uh, Adrian Peterson, according to the stats. He's running, yeah. Uh, you know. It, Few people would agree with that. Um, even Ravens fans would agree with that. Um, so, you know, as, as far as his pass blocking goes, he is one of the better ones in the league overall at doing that. Uh, and, and some of the, and maybe this is why PFF has him ranked so low, is because the Ravens have him doing it far more often than pretty much any other running back in the league. Right. Uh, he he sticks his head in there a lot more often than probably he should for a guy his size uh, and his age, and he is getting older. Um, but again, you know, e- even if Javorius Allen and Lorenzo Taliaferro take over next season, uh, you- you've got a guy in, in Justin Forsett that can be a change of pace back uh, as well as just be a mentor, and that's the big reason why the Ravens signed him uh, to the contract. They did have him be a mentor, and that's pretty much it. Right. Uh, I think at the end of 2016, yeah, you you, you cut his ass. Um, I like Justin Forsett, but I don't like him as much to keep him on for that type of money. Mm-hmm. I still say I, I still think you got to take you got to cut him next season and uh, pick up a uh, running back in the late draft because that's what we've been doing lately. We got Lorenzo when we had uh, Pierce and Rice, then we went with um, then we got Justin Forsett to go along with them, signed him. And then after that, we did get Javorius Allen in the draft. And I think you just continually keep kind of getting those very young and very cheap running backs. Because unless you're getting an absolute stud, you don't spend the money and you don't yeah. you don't spend high draft picks on them. I, I certainly agree with that one. And, and, uh, and here's the reason why I'm going to say that I think the Ravens keep Justin Forsett next season. Uh, the big reason there is because the Ravens have always – given it that season uh, for their veteran running back Uh to be replaced. Uh, Looking back to, you know, a guy like uh, Willis McGahee, he started splitting reps with uh, Ray Rice. Right. And then the next season he was gone. Okay. Uh, Or excuse me, the next season Ray Rice took over, and I believe it was the season after that Willis McGahee was gone. Yeah. Uh, With Priest Holmes, and Jamal Lewis, the Ravens have always kind of had that guy there just in case what they're seeing in practice, what they see in film, and even a little bit of games hasn't fully taken over yet. If it's the, if it hit, if they hit that sophomore slump of sorts, right. um, Javorius Allen will be in his second year. As much as I've liked what I've seen out of him, he could very well regress at the end of the season and in the next season and not be the same player. Lorenzo Taliaferro is coming off of IR. He might not even be ready next season. 
uh, to play. And, and even if he is, he's going to have a, a fair amount of rust to knock off. Right. He's been playing, you know, the, the few games that he did play in, he was injured all season. So I think the, I think Justin Forsett stays on this team next season strictly as a safeguard uh, in, in case either one of those players are not capable of taking control of, of the running back situation. Yeah, I, 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 see, I see your point. And I, I don't think the Ravens will cut him. Um, I'd like us to just to finally get some fucking contracts out of the way and being able to afford yeah. other players for once because three million on him or uh, six million of what we have plus that three million on a nice sexy wide receiver would always be nice, but you know how that goes. Oh, absolutely, and and uh, I think like you're saying, Kyle, I, I I like the idea of cutting him solely from a money standpoint. Yeah. It's a business, and we got to treat it as such. We gotta we gotta think like that. That's that's how it's always been. Unfortunately, we're always upset when that happens. But this is the time where we gotta act like the like the executive, you know. Uh, yeah, two and six is the time where we need to do that for sure. Yeah, and uh, not only that, but I believe we still have uh, Terrence McGee in the practice squad, and I loved what I saw from him. So having him as our uh, other back would also be awesome. I thought he was better than Javorius. Honestly, I, mean, I, I absolutely agree with that. And actually, we have a call in now, so awesome. give me just one second. Awesome. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. What's your name? Carlos. What was that? Carlos. Carlos? Yeah. Hey, Carlos, where are you from? Um, McGray Village. Um, Excellent. Maryland. Gateway. Excellent. Uh, that, that sounds perfect. All right. Well, what do you think about the Ravens possibly cutting, uh, excuse me, uh, Justin Forsett next season to save that money? Uh, I think they won't cut Justin Forsett. I think not. Even for $3 million? Saving $3 million for the Ravens. I mean, not really. I think they're going to have to take a pay cut on Justin Forsett. That's that's an option that we didn't talk about, Kyle. Is is maybe trying to restructure that deal, uh, stretch it out maybe another year, so that way they can save up a little bit of money and and yeah, that, that might not be a bad idea. I don't think that's a bad one, um, Carlos. I'm gonna piggyback off that real quick. Uh, the Ravens gave him a like he took a huge discount even coming and staying on that. Uh, I believe it's a three year deal he signed. Uh, if he were to uh, take a pay cut on already that discounted price, he could just be able to leave and get a get a get a good contract, or even be, you know, a free agent. He'd be happier possibly than um, just sticking how it is. I think that he, you know, would like to be cut rather than taking a pay cut and getting that three million and, and just kind of getting off into the sunset. Right, maybe, but I think Joseph said will not be a free agent next year. Nah. I, I can kind of agree with you on that one, Carlos. Uh, I think, um, you know, again, piggybacking off of what Kyle just said, uh, you know, Kyle, he, he did go ahead and take a, a lower amount, and that was in order to stay someplace. Yep. He's tired of bouncing around from, from place to place to place. Mm-hmm. I think if the Ravens say, look, we're going to keep you another year, it's it's either you take a pay cut or you're cut. Yeah. They're, they're, those are your two choices. Right. I think he goes, fine, whatever, kicks some dirt and takes a pay cut. Yeah. That makes sense. I like that idea, Carlos. Thank you so much for sharing, man. You got any other ideas on the uh, roster situation for the Baltimore Ravens in the 2016 season? Um, not really. I just I think I hope Steve may return next year, at least one more year. I, I agree. Amen to that. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely, Carlos. Thanks, man. Thank you very much for calling in. Yeah, I I think uh, that is the overwhelming feeling from every Baltimore Ravens fan is, please, God, Steve Smith, please return. Yeah, we don't. Uh Everybody is in a current mode of we don't care about what happens in this game. We just still want to know what next next year's games are going to have a certain wide receiver or not. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I do got to say, I was talking with all the editors on, on Baltimore Beatdown. We had uh, someone go ahead and do a uh, nice little open letter to Steve Smith, uh, and it was probably one of the best things I've ever read on Baltimore Beatdown, period. Yep. You know, as much as I'm ego-driven, and I think everything I write is fantastic, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we all are, really. I, I think if we're not, then that's that's a shame. But yeah, um, you got to have that to kind of be out there and writing about it, man. I always thought I was hot shit, and I look back at my writing <laughs> two years ago, and I was like, oh my god, there's so many mistakes being in here. But yeah, you got to have a you got to have that passion. To, if you act and pretend to be the part, you can be the part eventually. Uh, that's, exactly. that's that's an overwhelming agreement. I think you and I have discussed that a few times now. But yes, yeah, exactly. that um, the the writing on that that Matthew was bringing it was an open letter to Steve Smith. And uh, he compared uh, being a Baltimore Raven to uh, Where the Wild Things Are, popular children's book. And uh, he was talking about Steve Smith isn't quite done gnashing his, uh, his teeth and his claws and fighting just like the Ravens have always been known to and how Steve Smith has always been known to. And the way he kind of put it together was actually quite beautiful uh, to the point where I was jealous that I didn't write that because it was it was a great great write up by a fan and uh, I was very impressed by it. And actually, uh, that was one of the big things that uh, we we brought Christian Klarner on, um, and yeah, that was one of his first articles. And uh, he, he like Kyle said, uh, he did uh, attribute Steve Smith over to Max in Wild uh, Where the Wild Things Are, uh, you know, a guy who is uh, a bad cat, the baddest cat. The best, uh, as he put it, um, and and yeah, you know, by the end of it, uh, I, I do gotta say, I, I I didn't shed a tear or anything like that, but um, it definitely did have me welling up with pride uh, of being able to see Steve Smith play, uh, even if this is his last season as a Baltimore Raven, and seeing that uh, that grit in purple, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's it's sad to think about, but uh, I certainly hope Steve Smith, uh, if he does return. He goes ahead and does it on his own terms, and uh, if he doesn't return, uh, I wish him the best of all luck uh, with him and his family and hope that he has a chance to uh, live his life to the fullest as a retiree. Absolutely. See, that's something huge is uh, people forget that these guys are actually people, not just uh, players that cash checks and drive fast cars. Steve Smith is a wonderful person. He's been playing in the league damn near 17 seasons. And this is one of the feistiest players to ever grace the NFL football field. It's insane to think that this man, like we almost didn't ever have him as a Raven. And he epitomizes uh, how a Raven acts, plays, and, um, and composes themselves on the gridiron and as a character outside of uh, football as well. He's a passionate hardcore uh, player on and off the field. And um, it's great. We got lucked out by even having him on the field. I always have loved Steve Smith. It's hard not to. The man's five foot nine and he plays bigger than Des Bryant or Calvin Johnson. I bet in a jump ball contest, uh, Steve Smith still snags more than his fair share of uh, jump balls. 
against Calvin Johnson. It's insane to believe that that five foot nine man can do things that he does, especially at 36 years old with a broken back. Yeah, I you know we talked about it every single week that uh, in our pregame show and even on the podcast here, Kyle. But uh, yeah, I mean. Guy's got four broken bones in his back, and he wasn't on the injury report. Meanwhile, I've got guys with like stubbed toes that aren't playing. A butt injury. And, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, an, an ass injury, um, or a calf injury, or you know anything like that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, yeah. It uh, best of luck to Steve Smith. And even though he kind of did yell at me once uh, for a question that I asked, and I think it was still a legitimate question, Steve. Um, look, you did get older. You did get hurt. I was right. Damn it. Um, you know, you still even kind of felt like, Ooh, he was talking to me. What did Uh, did you ask him? I I asked him, look, now that you're getting older, is there anything that you are doing differently in the off season to kind of combat the rigors of, of a full NFL season? And he said something to the effect of, um, I'll get back to you on that one. I'm not doing anything different. I just, yeah. And, you know, of course, everyone made fun of me afterwards because that's what we do. But um, you know what? Fuck it. I still i am happy with that question. Okay. For a second, I thought you were the one that asked uh, if Kamar Aiken was a number one receiver because he flipped <laughs> his fucking lid when somebody asked that. Why don't you go out there and press coverage by yourself and see how it works out for you? Yeah. Yes, sir, Steve. Yes, sir. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not that stupid, which is why when you said, you know, you should ask John Harbaugh how many crowns he'd eat, I'm like, yeah, you can ask him. God, that'd be funny. But yeah, it would be hilarious, especially Steve. if someone did it. <laughs> Speaking of Steve Smith, looking over the wide receiver, uh, dead cap, cap hit, salaries and everything for next season, Steve Smith is the number one paid receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. Thank God, too, by the way. Uh, his base salary is $3 million. He's got a signing bonus of $1.2 million. And his dead cap, if we were to cut him instead of, uh, if for some god reason, he says, hey, I want to come back, and we say, no, thank you. Um, first and foremost, I'm firing Ozzy Newsom immediately. Um, <laughs> second off, John Harbaugh's probably going with him. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not a joke. Um we keep that no matter what. His cap hits four point one, four point two million. You keep that, and you pray that like we shouldn't raise it just because. At that point, the other receivers that we got to look over actually is Brashad Perryman will be the second highest paid receiver for the Ravens. He has eight hundred thousand dollars base salary, one point two million as a signing bonus. Cutting him would actually make the Ravens lose an extra three million dollars. Say. We cut him because he's never going to play or something. And, uh, yeah, we would lose $5.5 million. Or if we cut him after post-June 1st, it's 3.2, but it's still 5.5 because we still paid him his uh, his cap hit money. So Ravens would lose money by even thinking of cutting him, I think, uh, you know, at that point. So yeah. there's no reason to anyways. He's injured. We're hoping he ever comes back healthy, for the love of God. Uh <laughs> After that, Kyle, I mean, I'm looking at it, and here's here's the thing that I think is probably going to be replayed repeatedly from here on out. Mm-hmm. Here's who the Ravens have under contract in 2016 at wide receiver. It's Steve Smith. Yep. It's Rashad Perryman. 
It's Michael Campanero. We love it's Darren Waller and Cam Worthy. Oh, goodness. That's it. The Ravens have five wide receivers signed for next season. That means, folks, Kamar Aiken, he might get signed back. Uh, Chris Givens, I think we actually purchase him, you know, get him back on the team. Uh, Marlon Brown, done. Um, Darren Waller, I wouldn't be surprised if we cut. We save almost 400000 by doing it. Cam Worthy, I think he was – I thought he was a practice squad dude. Um, we only lose $2,000 if we cut him. Uh, we gain – Five hundred thousand dollars if we do cut him. So we're gonna cut Cam Worthy, I bet, because I haven't even seen him hit the field. And with how depleted our set, our uh, receiving core is, if you're not making the field on that, you'll never make an NFL field, right, Matt? Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, he he was an undrafted guy that the Ravens brought in this season, yep. and uh, he's yet to see the field, like you said, Kyle, and in any one of these games, and. Uh, the next eight weeks will ultimately tell. I mean, if he shows up in any of the next eight weeks, then, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll be able to judge him. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think him and Darren Waller are pretty much gone. Yeah. So that leaves, folks, Michael Campanaro, Brashad Perryman, and Steve Smith as the only Ravens receivers under contract in 2016. <laughs> we can't even go five wide next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and this is if Steve Smith comes back. If Steve Smith doesn't come back... <laughs> The Ravens have Rashad Perryman and Michael Campanero. We don't have a slot. We don't have a fucking slot receiver, if that happens. No no wide receiver three. You got... In all fairness, we, we have three tight ends. We have four. Well, let's say Dennis Pitta comes oh, yeah, back. Yeah, my bad. We have three tight ends. Uh, maybe one of them could be a wide receiver all of a sudden. We're going to make Max Williams lose 100 pounds and just fucking <laughs> run routes and hurdle over people because if he loses 100 pounds he could probably hurdle like four feet yeah right he, he would just do goal line handoffs and he would just jump from like the five and still be in the air across the goal line yeah it's i i just you know if there's anything that is synonymous with this season it's been a lack of depth and if, if we could point it out any more closely, it's what I just said. Steve Smith, Brashad Perryman, Michael Campanero, Darren Waller, and Cam Worthy. That's if they keep all those guys and everyone returns. Oh, my goodness. Steve Smith might, might not. Who knows if Brashad Perryman will ever be healthy. Um, I mean, at this point, we were talking about beforehand, Kyle. It's supposed to be a six-week injury. It happened on the first day of training camp. Training camp is roughly about six weeks. He should have been fine by week one. It's week nine and there has not been a single bit of talk of him coming back. He practiced for a little bit before he re-injured himself, reportedly uh, re-injured himself, and, and that's all we saw of him. So, um, so yeah, you know, we've made this joke, but we're not even entirely sure Prashad Perryman's a real person. Yep. Um, you know, Michael Campanero, his, his injury was supposed to be four weeks uh, this season. They put him on IR. And then, yeah, you've got Darren Waller and Cam Worthy, who we were talking about just cutting because they suck. I, you know, you, you hope a guy like uh, uh, Kamar Aiken wants to come back to this team um, and, and is willing to go ahead and sign a contract. But at the same time, what is it going to cost to go ahead and keep him there? Ugh. You know. We don't. We can't. We don't have over fucking. We don't even have five receivers under contract. Yeah. Well, well, technically speaking, we have five, 
But that's saying Steve Smith comes back. Five real receivers. We don't have one besides All right, Steve then we Smith. got three. <laughs> well, yeah. If we're talking about real men cornerbacks, then yeah, no, we, we have one in Steve Smith. Yeah, that's great. That's that's just fucking wonderful. So we don't we, we cut Cam, we cut Darren. Uh, we hope Michael Campanero can be healthier than uh, three games because he's such a good player when he's on the field. He's almost a Percy Harvin light in a sense that he can do the jet sweep touchdowns. Yeah. He can uh, cut routes. He's a great route runner for how small he is and how uh, agile he is. I love watching him play. Unfortunately, he plays three games a season. Yeah, and, and you know what? And we have gotten some flack from – I guess someone related to him. Um, and I, I'm going to call it out right here because that's what I do. The guy's never healthy. Nope. I, I, that, that's not an indication on him as a player, but it is an indication on his ability to see the field. And we've said it repeatedly before, and I'll say it repeatedly again. If you cannot see the field, I don't care how much you're worth, I don't care what type of player you are, if you cannot see the field and make an impact, you are gone. You are done on this team, and if it continues to happen, you are done in this league. Yep. If Tom Brady's missed every game from here on out for the next two seasons at, at varying different things, he has a toe injury, he has a calf injury, he has a thigh injury now, he has a thumb injury, he would be done. Yep. As a player. Yeah, even even uh, Belichick wouldn't keep him. Yeah, and, and that's – you're talking about one of the best players uh, ever. At least as of right now, I'm not going to say of all time because I'm not that type of person. But we actually have somebody calling in real quick. <laughs> hey, thanks for calling Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. Uh, who are we talking to? My name is James. Hey, James. How's it going? It's going good. How are you doing tonight? Uh, doing fantastic. Uh, bashing Michael Campanero a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, definitely uh, is a shame. He's got the talent, but he just doesn't have the uh, the build to stay healthy. Yep. That that seems to be it. And I don't know if it's build. I don't know if it's his training. I don't know if it's the guy just has terrible luck, but uh, he needs to get it figured out soon. Absolutely. It seems like something's going on in Baltimore with the uh, with just the health of these guys. It's almost to the point that we got to start questioning the staff. Too many people are getting injured. What's going on out there? Yeah, I mean, that's something we haven't looked at yet, uh, Kyle, and I imagine we'll have to sit down with Dr. Bobby soon and kind of figure that out. But, yeah, two seasons where you have just a, a, a ridiculous number of injuries for this team. Yep. Uh, it almost kind of feels like we're the Pittsburgh Steelers of like five years ago. Yeah, the, one of yeah. the things that we yeah, mentioned in the beginning, James. Anyone uh, in the upcoming draft that could uh, step right in and, help out our situation anyone that's at least worthy of a first round pick you know we we have not really studied uh the draft picks mm. yet uh to kind of figure that mm, out definitely. i mean there, there's names you know bosa is the guy that everyone keeps talking about yep. hard is another one that i keep hearing um you know it, it'll be interesting to see where the ravens pick first and foremost uh, yeah. and to see what their needs actually are if, if they go ahead and get somebody through free agency or trade beforehand who knows yeah, really. Who, who does? What, what were your opinion of all the uh, the all Sean Jeffrey Calvin Johnson trade talk right before the the deadline? Uh you know, I'll, I'll let you answer this one, Kyle. All right. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Calvin Johnson was never going to go anywhere else. As much as uh, we as fans want to see that man succeed, and as other teams, uh, speaking mostly of New England, wanting to have that superstar number one wide receiver or Peyton Manning having another weapon 
or even Aaron Rodgers for some godly reason getting a hold of Calvin Johnson. I don't see him leaving because he his contract's enormous, and that's why Larry Fitzgerald has mm. never left the Arizona Cardinals because those contracts are fucking ridiculously high. Now, another thing I see is, uh, in fact, the um, uh, the the trade talk with uh, Alshon Jeffrey. That was an interesting one, but they still want that young player around for their rebuild. You know, uh, I was surprised Matt Forte didn't actually get traded just a little bit. Um, yeah. Now, the biggest the biggest thing with Alshon Jeffrey, though, mainly was he's young. Uh, he's been injury prone. It seems to be he's out every every few weeks. That was the biggest key, I think, to uh, teams not wanting to uh, actually go for it. Because the trade. imagine if a team traded a second and a fifth. I think a second and a fifth seems fair, but you trade that to a receiver that um, doesn't put up the numbers in the next two seasons. You just lost two potential draft selections that could have turned out to be pretty good players for something you had hope in, you know? And that's what I think was the biggest deal. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you on that one, especially when it comes to talk with uh, Calvin Johnson. As much as he has been a dominant player uh, throughout his career, he is absolutely at the end of his career. Yep. Um, you know, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy, and we've seen what guys like uh, you know Andre Johnson with the Colts is a perfect example of what happens when you buy into a player too late into their career you end up putting a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of effort into a player that cannot put up those numbers. And, uh, you know, you, you end up with a crappy season, and there's talk about firing coaches and, and GMs and everything like that. So um, no GM was going to go ahead and put that on their resume as we traded for, uh, you know, Calvin Johnson. Now, Austin Jeffrey, that would be a different conversation that I, I would probably have on Mozzie Newsom, but the Ravens just didn't have the, the cap money to do it. Um, and, and few teams really did at this point yep. uh, go ahead and take on that type of a contract. And, um, you know, sadly, he'll probably end up sitting in, in Chicago for a few more years and having Jay Cutler ping things off the, the, the benches. But, um, you know, who, who knows? This league is so weird. I wouldn't have expected Vernon Davis to be traded off. But, uh, yeah. you know, here we are. Yeah, so true. Well, one thing before I, I get off the phone, one name I definitely, and I might have a little bit of that hometown bias as I'm calling from Columbia, South Carolina, but Farron Cooper going into this year, they're talking about maybe a second or third rounder. And I feel like he's already had so much of the pressure put on him as the almost the only offensive threat that we have. I feel like he can definitely step in, do a fantastic job, and not be a, not cost us a first-round pick. So at least a, a name to... Keep keep an eye on going on going into the off season. All right, sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for that, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank yeah, you. No, I'll have to just, uh, uh, keep an eye on him. Really, really happy to have uh, called in, and uh, I hope you all have a great night. Appreciate uh, it. You have a wonderful evening. evening. Uh, go Gamecocks, I guess. Go Gamecocks. Go Ravens. <laughs> Deal. Go, go football. Let's just get some good football going. Amen. That's it. Man. Amen. That's it. Have a good night, guys. Thanks. You too, James. Yeah, you know, again, we we to, to highlight this, we have yet to really kind of dive into um, any of the college football stuff. I'm not a college football guy personally, and I don't know about you on this one, Kyle. But um, I'm not the biggest on college football, and and also I don't usually check into college football in November for draft information. Being a Ravens fan, 
<laughs> it's, this is such a weird season in the fact that, yeah, we're two and six. And, and there's no way the Ravens are going to be a playoff team. They're just not. Um, I mean, they'd have to win out. And even then, they'd have to have some serious luck. But, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, sadly, I, I think, Kyle, I think we're going to have to start looking at film uh, in, in the next week or so. And I, I'll probably end up doing that next week. Uh, so check out BaltimoreBeatdown.com. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be looking at what the big boards have as their top ten guys, I guess, and start looking at those guys since the Ravens, uh, as of right now, have, I believe, the third pick overall uh, in the draft if the draft were to start right now. But, um, God, this is depressing. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> hey, you stick with them through the good times and the bad, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if they finish 8-8 eight and eight, we get another 15th pick. You know what? To to really finish this off, uh, that would be the worst possible outcome of this season for the Baltimore Ravens is finishing like middle of the pack and getting a middle of the pack pick. Yeah. If the Ravens don't have a top ten pick, it's a wasted season on every front. Yeah. Lose or win, that's it. Like, and I know that sounds stu- that sounds like Trent Dilfer, but uh, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> like his uh you can't lose games and expect to win in the NFL. No. What I mean by this is if you're not going to fucking get to a championship building team, suck so you can get a championship yeah. leading team. One draft is all it takes to take a team from shitty to great. Two drafts can take you from terrible to good. You know? We saw it with the Oakland Raiders. They have Khalil Mack. They have a uh, uh, Sio Moore, they also have uh, fucking Derek Carr, and I don't know if you heard his name, Amari Cooper, and all yeah. of a sudden they're winning fucking football games. Now, imagine if the Ravens had one of those drafts. One of those drafts. Get Amari just, Cooper. Yeah. Just Amari Cooper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Just just one. We don't, we don't, we, can I have one, sir? Can I just have one? Um, one. That's all I'm asking. I don't... I, we don't even need a full draft, Kyle. We just need the first round. Just, please, for the love of fucking God, can we do that once? That's all I'm asking. And that's what I want the Ravens to do. I want us to lose. Lose hard. Get a top three pick. And get a fucking player that knows how to play. Yeah. And then I want to win. And I want to win a championship, and I want Steve Smith Sr. to hold a fucking Lombardi up for us, and we win a goddamn football game that is important. I want to, I want to win Super Bowl 51. <laughs> well, Kyle, we actually have a few comments here. Uh, Carlton Banks, UK, uh, he said about 16 minutes ago, just tuned in. I seriously reckon that if Tyrod was still with the team, and at this point the coaching staff would be trying him out at wide out. You're you're not wrong. <laughs> I, you know, I've made this joke a few times, uh, and it's been mostly at cornerback. But uh, you know, if if you're a corner on this team, take insurance out on that ACL because it's not going to last the season. Um, but you know, the same thing goes for wide receivers. I. I didn't realize exactly how many the Ravens had lost um, until you start counting up the guys on injured reserve or the guys that are seriously dinged up. Um, it, you know, it rivals the secondary in that regard. So, um, yeah, if you can run fast, the Ravens kind of want to hear from you. 
All right, um, I'm going to go lose some weight. I'll be back. <laughs> Dude, you don't even need to lose weight. Just Can, can you run under a five-second 40? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also mentioned, also, since we're talking about begging Kamar Aiken to sign a contract, uh, is seriously a bad sign of where we are right now. Not mention asking a 30-year-old to unretire. 36-year-old, but yeah. 36, yeah, excuse me. Uh, you know what? I've just prematurely aged him. It's okay. Um, and not only that, like, I, I'm going to take this one. Um, this 36-year-old was expected to have a 1,000-yard season. That's not, um, that's not bad. That's not a bad sign. What's bad is he's the best of our receivers, is that a 36-year-old is doing this. But he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. I mean – if he's still putting up 1,000 yards at 36, he deserves to be begged to not go uh, and retire off into the sunset. So that I disagree with. The fact that Kamari Aiken and we're trying to get him under contract, that is a bad sign. But not but not trying to sign yeah. Smith Sr. That's not bad. The dude is a fucking animal. And if he's still doing it, of course we still want a player to do it. I, I, and here's what I'm going to disagree with you on this one, Kyle. I, I love Steve Smith. The fact that he's able to do it is fantastic. But the fact that the Ravens need him to do it, the fact that the Ravens okay. need him to put up 1,500 yards, because that's what he was on pace for. Yep. Put up 1,500 yards, and they're still losing by three points here and there. They need a wide receiver to do that. And the fact that they need a 36-year-old wide receiver versus any other 20-somethings to do it is where the shame comes in. And, and that's where, you know, and we were talking about with all the wide receivers, well, the five wide receivers the Ravens will have next year, mm-hmm. you know, that that is a terrible, terrible sign. Makes sense now. I see your point. And, uh, yeah, it, the fact that the Ravens need – him is is worse than actually just asking. Like if if the Bengals were begging Smith Senior, if it was in the same scenario, to uh, come out of retirement, it wouldn't be because they need him. It's because they want a player that can still do it to do it for them. But we exactly. need Smith Senior to do it for us. That's the difference. I get you, man. I get that. Exactly. Yeah. No, that was that was a great way of just uh, making that that made so much more sense. We do got Carlton answering. Don't misunderstand me. I love Steve Smith, and he's one of my favorite players even before he got to the Ravens. He's great, and I want him to stay. My point is, if you're relying on a 36-year-old to unretire, that's not a good sign. That shouldn't be something we're relying on upon to have a good receiving core. Anyway, everything I just typed has been said now. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we got it. That makes sense. I like it. Also, he does have one more comment. You guys, by the way, knowing how this team operates, even if the Ravens did get a top-five pick, can't you foresee them trading down to get more picks instead of having a shot at one of the top guys? Yes, and that's what I'm so fucking scared about is that we're going to have a top-five. They're going to be like, damn, they could get Vernon Hargreaves. And then we go, nah, let's just get a middle guy. Yeah, let's get four middle guys, because that's worked out. God damn it. I, and, and, you know, this is the difficult thing about covering such a good team. And, and look, we're, we're sitting here bitching about it, but um, which is kind of comical in its own weird way. But uh, this is a team that has done so well by trading down, by working deals, by picking best player available, and it's worked out for them so well in the past. That's why they have two Super Bowls. Absolutely. But when you're a team that is this close, and the Ravens are this close, their record now is solely due to not having a few key members and due to injuries. 
they are so close to being a, a automatic championship caliber team, to being a, a dynasty that when you don't see them go out and pick up guys that they need to pick up, mm-hmm. that that's when you end up having what you have, and 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 that's that's where the Ravens are at right now. They're they're stuck with an old Ladarius Webb who is you know two ACLs and about five years being removed from being good, and they've got Jimmy Smith who was just coming off of a major injury last season, yeah. and that's it. And then after that, it's a bunch of rejects from other teams that. The Ravens are hoping they, they get like a Gary Baxter type of situation out of, um, and they can go ahead and milk a guy to be middle of, of the pack. That was a great reference, by the way. You're quite welcome. Um, <laughs> you know, that that's what they're hoping for. And when you hope for that, it bites you in the ass sometimes, and we're seeing it now. We, we've got a guy in, in Kyle Arrington who has been benched something like nine times this season. Nine fucking times this season. He's been terrible. And the Ravens picked him up, and he was a reject from, from the uh, New England Patriots. And in talking to the the editor of the New England Patriots uh, site, uh, Pat's Pulpit here on SB Nation, uh, Rich Hill, he, he talked about, you know, he's a, he's a good slot corner. Well, he's not a good slot. He's an okay slot corner. If you put him on the outside, you're going to end up letting up points like nobody's business. Yes. And we've had to put him on the outside because we ain't got nobody else on the outside. God damn it. And, and the same thing with Sharice Wright. He's an okay guy if you put him in the middle of the field and you, and you have a little bit of help his way. He, he, can, he can make do. But when He's every team – yeah, but when every cornerback uh, needs help, somebody's fucked. <laughs> exactly. And then you've got a guy like you know uh, Kendrick Lewis over the top who needs fucking help too. So <laughs> when the guys that provide help need help. It's a problem. Yeah, Will Hill is the one trying to help seven fucking defensive backs all in one play. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, you know, like I said, it, it's that's the shame. If you had another corner, and I had this talk with somebody else recently, if you had another corner, even in this season, let's just say we, we could clone Jimmy Smith this, at the start of this season, even even a little bit hurt, this is a team that could very well be 8-0 right now. God, that'd be so awesome. And, and, and that's the thing. Like, that's the thing. They really could be. Yep. You're talking about one play in each game because they're three point losses is most of them. Yep. Three point losses, and you're talking about one play. Well, if they don't give up that 70 yard touchdown to Malcolm Floyd, you know that that's that's the difference. If they don't give up the, uh, you know, giant play to Fitzgerald, well, that's the difference. If they don't give, and we could do this all day long, but. Right. It's the one play that this team has not been able to make, and it's been on the secondary all season long. So, yeah, I, I want a top five pick, and I want a fucking corner or a wide receiver. Amen. And on that note, folks, thank you so very much for turning in to the Baltimore Beatdown podcast, where all we want is fucking wide receivers and cornerbacks. I've been your host, Kyle Barber. With me, as always, Matthew Stevens. Thank you so very much. Thank you for listening to us live on Ravel.tv. Thank you for calling in. And if you didn't call in this week, get your fucking phone out and call us and tell us how much you guys want a wide receiver or a fucking quarterback. <laughs> Thank you so much. Tune in next week. We'll be here at the same time as always, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you. Get a fucking quarterback. Call us up about him. Let us know how good he is or how bad because we'll still play him on the fucking field. <laughs> 
My name, Kyle Barber. His name, Matt Stevens. Thank you for listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. If you like what we do, please like and share us on SoundCloud, Rabble.tv, and iTunes. Also, check out our Patreon account to donate as little as a dollar toward the cause and get some cool perks. Join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern for yet another Baltimore Beatdown Podcast.